All right. Well, um, let's start tonight off with um, your homework assignment. So you had uh, kind of a choice of listening to some different speakers and just kind of see what um, what worked out for you. Why did I record for Maria? No, I'm I'm actually recording right now. Um, I give it to Justin, and Justin gives it to because a couple people who work in children's ministry right now wanted to do this but can't, so he, I'll have it. Awesome. So you don't have to worry about it if you don't want to. Perfect. <laughs> Save your battery. <laughs> um, so for um, teachers, what, who did you choose, and then what did you kind of observe uh, in that kind of listening? All right, sure. I'll start. <laughs> All right, I. First off, I wanted print instead of listening. Just work that way. Yep, it works. I ended up because I was trying to find like the exact same thing and I couldn't find exactly. So, okay. um, ended up with Romans five five. This is the old school, but and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed upon our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. So I had you did just John go King Piper. James on us. That was good. I did. <laughs> um, so I had John Piper. Spurgeon, and I had not a full message, but some ex- excerpts from Augustine. Okay. Augustine, whatever. Yeah. There's a debate as to which one. Some people people say uh, um, uh, Augustine is the, the place you play golf at, definitely. and Augustine is actually his name. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we say things different in the South, so anyway. Um, but um, that, that verse kind of was two parts, and I... Um, Spurgeon hit the first part about the hope makes us not ashamed, okay. and um, the other two went more on the Holy Spirit okay. side. So mm-hmm. I found that a little interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't Augustine didn't or Augustine or whoever didn't really have it. There wasn't as much on it, so it was kind of a short excerpt. Spurgeon, like the sermon, we was very descriptive. Okay. Um, you know, kind of pulled you in with the word pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, Piper is very kind of almost college paper, not maybe not college papers, but very logical. And yes. Kind of, you know. He's 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 at times hard for me to listen to. Yeah. I mean, like, I I love his. I mean, I love his the the end of what he's getting at, but yeah. sometimes his getting to that point is hard for me to. Yeah. Hard for me to follow. <laughs> and, and I think what I, nobody really disagreed on what it meant. Okay. Um, the portion between uh, Piper and Augustine was very similar. Okay. Um, but even within just a one verse, they took completely different routes. So you know, meant the same thing. Mm-hmm. But they dove into like a different section. Yeah. And you know, I think that's the thing that stood out to me is just you could take the same section of verses. I mean. You know, I'm sure. And the, the wider the selection of verses you take, like you just took one verse. So if you take like yeah. 10, there's all kinds of places all times people can kind of choose to emphasize or jump in. Yeah. Now, I, and I, I'm sure, you know, you probably got a better feel of this than any of us, but I assume that you, somebody could hit the same section several times and take it from a different angle. Sure. Just, you know, well, a lot of times you're in, in your context makes a difference and who you're talking to. Like I'm talking to youth versus I'm talking to adults. I'm talking to a, doing a sermon on a Sunday morning versus a, you know, a small group class or something. Like it just is, it all varies based on that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was talking to uh, Pastor Eddie this morning because I was laughing. I said, dude, I said, do you want to pre- preach next Sunday? He's like, why? I go, because I got head coverings next Sunday. <laughs> and I really, I'm really struggling with what this is talking about. And because I said, I mean, it got... I, I have 
read commentaries. I've listened. I've, I've read some some sermons from people, and like literally twenty different directions people have gone. I'm like, I've no. I mean, it's just because there's so because there's so much history going on there that we don't. We're not for sure. That's why people don't understand that passage a lot of times. You're like, we don't really know what was going on in Corinth at that time, so we don't know what that tradition was and why they covered their head and didn't cover their head and what was going on. There's lots of options of what's happening. So it's like you almost got to choose one and be like, I think this is what was going on. Let's go. Um, so it makes sometimes passages really can be really different based on even, even what you believe was going on in the history of that passage, much less, much less the people you're talking to. So, yeah, it can really be very different. All right. And the only other thing, and it's, it's, it's not a good, a, a well-worded question, but... One meaning, several applications. Yes. But you can go several different directions on which part of the meaning do I dig into. Sure. Where's the line? And that, I don't think I'm explaining that well. No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, there should be one major point that yeah. everyone's trying to get across in a given passage. Um, now, there's lots of um, support to that point that you can choose to dive into. So if you're in a, in a certain passage, you can you can dig into the support levels of that. Like this morning, the the driving part of the passage was, what do you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God? Like that was kind of the what everything was getting to. <clears throat> you know, I took it more from a, a, a practical how level. I think Paul's trying to tell us like how this is, how you do this. Um, but there's a lot, I could have spent the whole sermon on, on what does that mean or why should you do that? I mean, I could spend the whole sermon on any of those uh, questions but at the end of the day, no matter the what, the why, the who, the how, at the end of the day, it's talking about glorifying God. Um, so, but you can go all kinds of directions with that. But that was the major theme. Um, that was the major point, at least, Paul was making. Um, so that's where I would say there's one meaning, but there's not just many applications. There's many emphases, emphases, emphases that you can make within a given, you know, the, the support for this. If there's five things of support, you can just dive into one. Or you can go all five and hit them slightly, or you can one. I mean, it's, yeah. Because, I mean, there's just depth to the Bible, and there's depth to passages of Scripture that, I mean, you're just talking just one verse in Romans 5, 5. I mean, that's, there's depth to that, and you could really zero in on, you know, one aspect of that, and, and, and off you go. And that's legitimate, because that is, that is what he's saying, but, Yeah. Not a fine line. I mean, not an easy line to draw. So the one thing we're trying to, what I'm trying to communicate to you guys is be careful of just launching off of a platform. You know, it's like read a verse, and there's a word used in there that, you know, you're like, okay, let's talk about that today. And it's like, so you're just talking about what you want to talk about, not necessarily what's talked about there. That's the same. Be careful of just, well, I'm teaching the Bible because I just read this verse and now I'm going to spend the next, you know, half hour talking about what I want to talk about. It's like, okay, that, you know, we want to get to what was the meaning. What's he good? What's, what's, what's the writer going after? What's God wanting to communicate here? Now, how I package that, how I present that, the angle that I take, the maybe the emphasis I go in that will vary person to person. But um, I want to make sure I'm trying, I want to as best as possible get what is, what is the writer trying to say? Why is this story, this passage, this verse in the Bible? What's the point? I want to get that right first, and then the all the other stuff is is art, I guess. So, all right. Well, it's most a volunteer they learned. I'll, I'll go quickly. Okay. Um, I did Mark Dever. Um, 
I chose Romans 12 because I thought that was a very popular okay. passage um, that, many pe- that many people find very practical in speaking. So I just wanted to hear a couple different features. Such as Mark like, like the first couple verses or the real, the real like, um, you know, almost like shotgun approach he gets to of like... Not, the, not quite to the shotgun approach. Okay, because um, there's like, like about seven or eight verses that just kind of, you know, lots of different things. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of, it kind of, so well, I did Mark Dever, John Piper, Matt Chandler. Okay. Um, and so with John Piper, classic John Piper, he like kind of got stuck on the renewing of your mind. I don't sure. want to mean like he got stuck. <laughs> he just like, he really brought his drill. Yeah. And he went really deep. Yeah. Um, in typical John Piper fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, yeah, you're right. Like you have to get, I would need the manuscript of his and just be able to they follow him. Follow yeah. him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's very deep. Yeah. Um, Mark Dever, um, he reminded me a lot of um, R.C. Ryle because he just okay. asked tons and tons of questions. Like mm-hmm. his whole um, message was structured off of worship. Um, in this instance, he structured off of that. And mm-hmm. like his, his points of his sermon were 10 questions. Okay. Literally, he just went walk, walked down through questions out of the text. Um, and then Matt Chandler um, focused a little bit more on the gifts of this passage. And so the, the, in this passage, it's like, hey, your gift is, is teaching, then teach. If your mm-hmm. gift is preaching, then preach. If your gift is exhorting, then exhort. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of walked a little bit in that way. But okay. very different styles from all of them. Matt Chandler is like enthralling to watch mm-hmm. and preach. Mm-hmm. He's all over the place. He's all arms, yes. Just, a lot of arms. Wow. That was one of the, yeah, was one of the things when, when I was in um, seminary and we had classes and we did these labs like you guys are going to do, but we had to do multiple of them, but they would videotape it. And then they would like come back the next week and play it on the screen and push fast forward <laughs> just just so you could see your your mannerisms that are repetitive that you need to calm down on, right? So, you because you're like, you're flying, you know, because you're doing this number a lot. Because it's fast forward, you're like, yeah, I see. Wow, that's a... You know, Calm the arms down, but yes, yeah, it's, it's Chandler's like. Well, so is Piper at times. Piper does, like, yeah. Piper does like these weird like orchestra movements. I always think of him like a wizard, you know. He's like, he's like here's this like, idea. Here's a, power but, coming because <laughs> the way he moves his arms. Like, I don't want to say like, but I feel like Piper sees the concepts, and so like when he is gesturing, he is like almost touching those concepts as he sure. imparts truth. Yeah. Whereas Chandler is just like, almost just like. <laughs> Arms flying, yeah. Yep, and like I said, it depends on the on the on the width of the passage you choose, right? So, you know, I mean, I've read uh, Martin Lloyd Jones, another guy that um, was really good uh, teacher, and he he died back in nineteen uh, about nineteen eighty, I think. And so, he um, is a pastor over in England, but he he very much would like d- drill. He talked about drilling, would like drill in. So. For example, like I know I read once, I was reading his, I read all of Ephesians that he did, and he did one sermon on Ephesians 2, 4 on the word, but God. That's it. The whole sermon was just on those two words. You know, because I mean, and it's a significant, you know, yeah. you know, is, yeah. this is who we were, but God, rich in mercy, like he, but he, the whole thing was on those two words. <laughs> like, so I mean, you can really dive in and really make that really tight, or you could pull it out and you could do the whole book of Ephesians. I mean, you know, um, in one sermon if you wanted to, right? So... So as you get to the meaning, is going to be on how how narrow you, you know, put that together. All right. Anyone else? Well, sure. All right. We're going to continue introductions uh, tonight.
Um, I would say that, uh, so you're, um, we have another week, and then you're up, all right? And so um, don't be intimidated by that. Don't be scared about it. Um, you know, it's just kind of an opportunity for us to help each other and give some feedback and kind of work on that. So if you have any questions during that time of what you're selecting or anything like that, just let me know. Um, so introductions, we're going to continue talking about introductions tonight. Oh, I did it again. Ben? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm down there, I'm talking, it's right there in front of me, and I left them again. Unless all you guys look and you're real quick. Yeah, go for it. While we have a chance. Yep. Um, I was looking at the class schedule. Yes. Is it off like a week? Are we off a week? We are because of the Super Bowl. Oh, yes. That, that week was uh, not a teaching week. Yes. Sorry, did that put the dates down as being? Yeah, there's dates. Yeah, there's, okay. yeah. Oh. So is our last the March 15th? Because that pushes the lab back a week. That's, that's a big deal. So I'm just trying to, <laughs> um, just trying to make sure that's... I'm not sure. Because we still have to go through Jesus' parables and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, apparently, for homework. Can I see that, Mark? Yeah. I, I must have... Uh... Yeah, we missed the Super Bowl week, but then we went ahead and did it when we got in class. Right, oh, so okay. it should be... Personally, yeah, so this is this is class five, right? We're on two. Modern, yep, and then we have parables. Um, should be next week. What is today? What does they say? Today is the 16th. Today is the 16th. I got you. I see okay. The 23rd. Yep. So, oh, interesting. All right. I'll have to look and see. Uh, maybe the last class is March 15th. Um, I'll have to look and see. Okay. Hopefully it is. I thought I, thought I planned it out right. I must have, uh, I don't know how I missed that. Um, yeah. I'll have to find out. I'll let you know. But I would say just bump everything down and just add a week. March 15th should be the final class, but um, I'll make sure of that. Um, so there we go. Ben's got our uh, document there. Sorry about that. So um, introductions. So last week we began talking about uh, intros are, are important in terms of uh, getting your audience, audience, audience's attention. I want to start tonight by giving some kind of warnings about those. And again, um, I'll be guilty of some of these warnings myself, so it's not like these are uh, always able to be avoided. But um, let's look at some of the uh, some of the warnings. Uh, first one I would say, uh, warning about introduction is uh, don't be verbose. Uh, what I mean by that is just be uh, be brief as possible. Uh, kind of the principle usually is be as brief as possible and as long as necessary. So brief as possible, as long as necessary, but don't. Uh, don't absorb a lot of your time into this. The goal is to get the meaning, get to the meaning of the text, right? That's the goal, and then apply that. Um, so don't spend an enormous amount of time. Kind of get, just get enough to kind of set it up, uh, peak interest of your hearers. Um, I would say think of uh, think of the introduction kind of like a porch on a house, right? Um, porch is important. It's good. Help, helps you get into the house. Um, you know, if there's no porch there, it's kind of difficult. It makes people difficult to get in, or maybe it's not appealing to want to get in. Uh, but if your porch is bigger than the house itself, right, disproportionate, it's like it, it's, it's lost its purpose. So it's kind of the same idea. It's just big enough to get into the house, um, but it is an important aspect to it. So um, let's see. Uh, number two, uh, don't be um, irrelevant. By this is um, a couple of things on this one. One is I would say don't – I've had guys before, ladies, whatever, like mm. – They'll just open, introduction will be like stand-up comedy hour. Be like, let me tell you a joke, you know. And it's like, 
telling a joke because <laughs> you just want people to laugh and get loose. So you're trying to pique interest, which I get it. You're piquing interest, but it has absolutely nothing to do with what. You know, if a joke's a joke, if it fits, it fits. If it, it helps you introduce it and it actually gets that point, great. But don't just like tell a joke just to kind of loosen everybody up, kind of thing. Um, you know, it's it makes your introduction serves its purpose, right? It's again, it's that porch. It gets you into the house. Um, and so it should have that. Uh, one of the other aspects of that I would say is uh, be careful of um, um, of digging in too much into like history, like the historical background of the text. Like your introduction is not goal is not necessarily to tell all the background of the passage. Um, it's to it's to show people that hey, this is relevant for you, right? That's kind of the point. It's like this is relevant relevant to you. Um, you should listen to to what I have to say. Um, I heard someone say one time like. You should be able to tell your introduction and sit down, and people should be like, tell you to get back up and be like, I, I want the answer. Like, I want to know how to do this or how to get that or what this means, right? So, this should be compelling enough to kind of get people's attention um, in that way. Uh, let's see. Don't be monocultural. All right. What do I mean by that? Um, just remember that though that though you live in like we're in. Indiana, Midwestern society, right, culture. There's some there's some general ideas that most people agree on in this specific area we're in. But also realize that you have a audience of a lot of subcultures, okay? Um, a lot of a lot of little you know caveats and groups uh, that maybe think differently and have different things. So um, so always just remember when you're talking, when you're doing an introduction, um, to uh, to not always have the the same group of people in your mind that you're that you're introducing things to. In other words, you're, you're just appealing to that particular group um, of people. Like, I'm just going to do an introduction every, every week that, that is interesting to a parent of kids. It's like, no, I'll, I'll do maybe it's something to be interesting parent of kids. I'll maybe something interesting to the guy who works a blue-collar job versus the guy who's a white-collar job versus someone who's single. Like, you want to vary it up and not just be one culture, one subgroup of people that you're appealing to each time. Because eventually what you'll have is you'll have a, you'll have a group of people that come to you to teach that are exactly the same because <laughs> it's you're only you're only showing you only saying that hey this is only interesting and only applicable to you people who fit into this category right so it's just learning to, to spread that out a little bit um don't be too spiritual um so this is good i had a, had a good meeting this week a lady um in our church we were talking about um you know just still learning a lot didn't know doesn't know a lot about the bible and was saying like she appreciated being being here that a lot of times I, don't, I I need to do a better job at this, but I try to strive to this. I told her I always try to remember the 18-year-old Chris that sat out there who didn't know anything about the Bible. And so not taking for granted that if you're going to do an introduction that, especially if you're going to be into like, like I said this morning, I was like, you know, key verse here is, you know, um, whatever you do, eat or drink, do all the glory of God. What does that mean? Or you've probably heard that if you've been in the church. Now, if you haven't, you may have heard that on the sports, you know, and you're players say, y'all glory to God. Like, what does that mean? You know, so, so I'm trying to appeal to both those inside church, outside the church, those who are familiar with it, those who may not. Um, so always remember when I say being too spiritual that we can very easily, if you've been around the church for a while, if you've been, or if you're very familiar with the Bible, and usually if you're going to teach, and if you're going to teach more and more, you'll be more and more familiar with the Bible. Don't lose sight that people are probably, hopefully listening to you, have no clue what you're about to talk about, right? They don't have the context. So um, so just be careful that we, we can, just like any area of industry, you can create your own kind of language. If you go talk to engineers, they've got their own kind of language going on. IT world, got your own language going on, right? I mean, there's 
if someone walks into that who's unfamiliar with it, you can think they know it because, hey, this is, this, this is the words we use. We all know what those words mean because we're in this group. The church can become very much like that, right? We're, we're in this group. When I say this word, we automatically know what it means. So that's what I mean by that. Don't be, don't be too spiritual in that, in that sense. Don't assume they know. Um, if you're going to open up, for example, especially if you're going to open up with like a Old Testament story or New Testament story, tell it in such a way that, like, like almost like kids, like they don't know. Uh, as I said, put the cookie jar on the bottom shelf so everybody can get a cookie out. Um, don't you know? Put it way up there. Don't assume, because um, it is very discouraging for people. I was talking to this guy, like she's. Like, it's very discouraging when there's things said, and it's like, and you know, there's this, you guys know the story, and you kind of move on. Like, no, I don't know the story. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what that means. Um, another one uh, kind of goes along with this is don't be uh, tribal. What I mean by that is avoid, the, again, the kind of tribal, churched kind of language. Um, we sort of joke around and call it Christianese, right, kind of thing. Um, avoid the we-them language. Avoid the we-them language. Uh, that's kind of the idea of like making like disdainful jokes to people who may not fit your your group. It's like if you're up there and you've got a majority of say Republicans in your church and you start making fun of Democrats, you're like, well, pretty much you're not going to have any Democrats in your church then. They're not going to come to hear the gospel. And if you're same on the other side, if it's a Democratic group and you're making fun of Republicans, like you just got to be careful about us and them kind of language, right? Um, so again, you want to um, capture the capture the capture the interest. Um, of, of all the people that are there. They'll be dismissive. Uh, number six, I would say don't apologize. So if you're going to teach on a regular basis, um, there will be times where you won't be as prepared as other times. There'll be times you're sick. There'll be times that things come up in life and you're like totally not totally prepared. Um, but don't ever make that as an excuse. and Get up there and be like, well, guys, I want you to know is your introduction, right? As soon as you get up there, like, all right, well, today I didn't really have a lot of time this week, so... You automatically, like, you just resigned everybody to just take a nap because they're like, well, no need listening to you because you're not ready, right? So, um, I mean, there's a, there's a sense of transparency and honesty at times, and you can say, like, hey, I really tried to get to this. I just I really didn't get as far as I wanted. That's okay when you're in the message. But as an introduction, don't open up as, as I apologize for not knowing what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> okay, so um, it just doesn't do well for an introduction. doesn't capture attention, that's for sure. And then number seven... Last one is uh, don't miss the proposition. This will get us into what we're uh, one of the things we we'll get to today. Um, your intro, so you start with an introduction, kind of introducing the topic, make it appealing, make people understand like why do they, why should they hear you? That's what you're trying to answer. Proposition is then your purpose statement. Right? You're trying to get to your purpose. You're trying to get to now. Here's where we're going, or here's what I'm going to try to solve today, or here's what. You know, I said this morning, I said, we're going to talk about the, you know, so, so how do we do this? How do we glorify God? We talked about what it is and why, and why we should do it, but how do we do it? Well, let's look at it. Here's how, here are four ways of how we can glorify God on mission, right? So, um, so that's your, your introduction should always end with that kind of proposition statement uh, that you give to them. So um, sometimes um, I do this quite a lot, actually, and this is not necessarily you have to do this, but um, I usually give an intro, give the proposition. I'll just give where we're going. I say, now we're gonna look at four, you know, four ways, and here they are: one, two, three, four, and I'll list them off so people can kind of, okay, I got a framework. I know where we're going. Um, I know when he's about to end because he's on his last one. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. So let's talk about those. The propositional statement. Um, any questions? More on introduction.
what it is, why it's important. All right. Propositional statements uh, is a statement of the subject that the teacher proposes to develop. Uh, so the lesson is not ready um, if you cannot state its theme in a short sentence. So you're not ready to go if you can't, in one sentence, summarize what you're trying to achieve here. Um, a lot of times we can, if we don't have a proposition, we don't have a theme, we don't have a one sentence that kind of summarizes it, then we're probably going to meander all over the place. Because what you're trying to do is almost like a, like in law here. You're trying to, you make a proposition and your sermon's going to, your lesson's going to prove the point, right? So that way you know you're, when you're done, done kind of writing and getting it all ready, you can go back and go like, now does this answer that? Right? Does this achieve what I said I want to try to achieve? And so it's kind of a balance, uh, checks and balances almost to kind of check yourself on that. Um, and so it's kind of a, a hinge between the introduction and the body of the message, uh, like on a, on a door. It's a statement of the objective of the sermon. It's not a restatement of the title. Let's <laughs> just give a restatement of the title. Um, it's a simple sentence stating the theme to be amplified, explained, or proved. Um, you want to tell them what you're going to tell them. And I'll say this a few times. You want to tell them what you're going to tell them, you're going to tell them, and then tell them what you told them. Okay? So you're going to tell them what you're going to tell them, you're going to tell them, and you're going to tell them what you told them. And all that is your proposition. So all those things should support your main objective and what's your main point you're trying to make in that way. So when we talk about making um, propositional statements, you're kind of looking for a, a plural noun or a keyword to use uh, for the proposition that kind of gives your message kind of movement. Um, you want to avoid things like things. <laughs> you want to say like, here are five things. Okay, that doesn't really give me a purpose. It just gives me that there's, we're going to look at five things. Um, so I gave you, I, th I think I printed them out. I gave them, oh yeah. So here's a whole list of them. Um, these are all different words you can use, right? I mean, you can... Um, you know, look down at the list there, you get like, you know, calls, here are four calls, here are, you know, three effects, or two doubts, or whatever. Seven plagues. Seven plagues, right? So, but it's, uh, it's something that's gonna, gonna move it along. These are all just kind of words that, um, that I found helpful, kind of reach to, look to, uh, I get a lot of information, um, given to you there. But, uh, but, but the messages are, um, your message is built on the proposition. It's good to repeat. It's even good to repeat your proposition as you move on. Um, you go to the next, next statement or next point. You'll be like, now the first we talked about, we looked at the first way to, you know, the first way we can, we can glorify God on mission is this. Now the second one is, you know, and go on in the third. You're like, now we talked about first and second. And so you kind of just a way of just helping people follow. They know where you're going. They know where you've been. Again, tell them, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them um, in that way. So, um, so I would say, uh, before I move on to that one, I think I have a purpose bridge for you there. I have uh, not really good at my artwork, but you can see sort of a triangle right there. Um, and so it kind of gives you, so start in the bottom left corner of that, you see the study of the text, right? We've talked about it. Um, and then we're talking about the structure of the text, which is kind of like, what's the, what's the meaning of the text? I'm just trying to figure out what is the writer trying to get to. Um, and then the proposition of like, here's what I think Paul is trying to accomplish. And then now my purpose bridge. Now I'm getting to, now I'm, I'm moving over from the, what does it mean to how do I present it? So the other side is the proposition of the message. Now I'm getting to the plural noun of like, here are the five ways, or this morning, four ways to glorify God. Um, and then the structure of the message, the body, 
and then we're going to go and we're going to go teach it, right? So it's kind of the, the arc of there, or a triangle, if you like, um, of getting to that. So that's propositions. Not a lot of work on those because it's just one sentence, but it's really, really important because it just really helps give, like, so what am I trying to achieve uh, in this message? What does is, what is, what is the text say? Now, how am I going to try to convey that? What's the main major kind of point? Yeah, Ben? Do you write that, um, do you find that yourself writing that before you begin work on your points, even though maybe you haven't fully fleshed out your, your points yet? It would be rare that I didn't have that before I did the points. Because it drives the points for me. I mean, so, when I was trying to figure out this, this week's message, I was trying to go through, like, what's the... What's the main point here? Was it was a little easier than what's coming up next Sunday? But um, you know, it was kind of oh yeah, this is you know this is what he's driving to here. All this is that's what he wants to get them to is he wants them to glorify God while they eat or drink, and that's all in the context of with unbelievers. So this is all about mission here. So that's what we're getting to, and the examples I went through and all the things he kind of scenarios he gave were all just very practical. Like you know, hey, don't don't ask where that meat came from. <laughs> Be thankful, enjoy the food. Um, they invite you to go to their house, right? I mean, it's pretty simple applications, um, but it all came out of what, what was I felt like, what I feel like he was trying to achieve. He was talk about making much of Jesus, glorifying Him as your own mission, and now my outline starts to flow based on what I see in the text. So it, it's rare that I'm sure the scenarios where maybe I, I see outlines a little bit faster, but normally the outline is driven by the proposition. What is the main point um, comes from that? Any questions on those? All right, let's talk about outline. Um, on the outset, outline is important to understand. It's a Western concept, okay? Um, but since we do live in a Western culture, outlines are helpful for people. This is how we typically in Western world kind of think. We follow, you know, typically outlines um, in that way. Um, I usually start by finding, trying to find the what is, like, for example, in First Corinthians, what is Paul's outline in some ways? Which is kind of hard to find because sometimes they're Eastern thinking, and so they don't necessarily have a straight outline. This is where it makes we're trying to cross cultures, and we're not only trying to cross, cross cultures, we're, we're, we're crossing even, like, thought patterns. <laughs> like, how we think versus how they think. Um, so it becomes very difficult to transition from one, you know, one culture to the next. Um, but try to discover what the writer is saying, how he's communicating it, and once you understand that, you begin to craft an outline that helps your intended audience understand it, right? So, what is Paul after? What's he, what's he saying? Now, how do I convey that to my audience who lives now 2,000 years later in this Western culture that I live in? Um, and so, uh, another way uh, these have been termed is to become exegetical outlines versus homiletical outlines. And so, we are trying to drive to how can I communicate this, um, this point? So, some principles on outlining, let's say. First one is uh, strive to be simple. This is definitely not what Puritans do, or did. <laughs> strive to be simple. Uh, don't try to outsmart yourself. Um, keep your outline simple and memorable. Um, and when I say Puritans, if you ever read a Puritan book, um, you read Edwards, right? So, I mean, you, you get the idea of many words can be used. But the Puritans would, like, a lot of times their titles were like four or five sentences long, just a title, you know, and then our points would be like, you know, three sentences for point one and three sentences, you're like, what's well, way too complicated, like, that's a lot of information, just try to, sh just try to shrink it down, um, 
you make it memorable in a way. So, um, in considering how many points is appropriate, the teacher will have to resist the natural tendency of having too many major points. Try to keep it as simple as possible. Don't, um, I think you, would you say uh, Deborah did like eight or ten questions or something? It could be a lot for a listener to hear. It's like, oh, there's just way too much, uh, too much information. Um, a message with too many points sometimes going to be one that doesn't have a point, right? So you kind of walk away going like, I heard a lot of information, but I'm not sure what the point was. Uh, the text itself should dictate the number of points that you give. Uh, the outline may be as few as, as only two. Uh, it may be three. It may be more. I would say from just a, I would say preference or maybe personal experience, <clears throat> like going any more than five can get you, can get a little bit too much. Um, trying to keep five, maybe six max, but that's even on the rare side. Try to keep it more on the two, three, four range can be a lot more uh, uh, for the for the listener to hear. So, and also it helps it helps them track you as you um, track with you as you work towards the the purpose statement, the the proposition you're trying to fulfill. Uh, try to be purposeful. Major points should be clear. Um, I would say rarely. Or at least not as common. Don't have a lot. Don't have subpoints. No, I mean it's totally legit to have subpoints. But and sometimes I have subpoints. But if you notice, most of the time I just have just a couple major points. That's it. So I'm just I just want to be. Again, I want to put the cookie jar on the bottom bottom shelf. Everyone would get a cookie. Um, and you and you'll be surprised. I mean that that's enough for people typically. Now if I'm in a if I'm in a my audience if I'm in a a graduate school seminary and we're talking about some. Ex- exegetical details i probably have a lot of sub points because this is what they do and this is their world but in general if i'm talking to people who aren't biblical scholars let's just try to keep it simple let's try not to do sub points can get really confusing for people now technology with things like this you know you can have a screen that kind of help people follow that helps you um you know and so like when you're doing your teaching in here when we have our little you know small feel free to use if you want to use powerpoint or something feel free to do that that's okay but, um, but I would say in general, try to keep the subpoints to a minimum or don't have them um, if you don't have to. Um, so let's see. Number three, strive for um, integrity. Remember that your goal is to communicate the point of the text. Don't let an outline get in the way of the truth of the text. So this is what I mean by sometimes there's not an outline. Sometimes, like if I'm teaching a narrative portion, like I, I can remember when I did the Gospel of John, there's just, it was just a story. And there really wasn't an outline, and I felt like in studying, I was trying to force an outline on there, and it just kind of took away from the story. So I decided, you know what, we're just going to tell the story. I'm going to put them, I'm going to re-put it in words that maybe everyone can understand. I'm going to paint the picture. I'm going to go through the passage and just make comments and just build it. And again, at the end, my outline was the very conclusion. It was actually just like three or four applications. Now here's what this story. Here's how the story applies. That's totally legit to do, too. So don't feel like you have to follow the same system of like, all right, remember today we're going to look at four points, blah, 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 and here they are, one, two, three, four, conclude. Um, there may be times where an outline would kind of, it's, a, it's one story, and you kind of want people to see it, feel it, know it, and an outline may just break it up too much and cause people not to see that. Um, number four, strive for flexibility. Uh, well, most of the most of the time, your outline will flow through the sermon. Sometimes, as I said, will come the application or the the outline will come at the end. This is again very similar to the previous one, but this is uh, just just not being stuck into one um, flow of of uh, presentation in that way. Don't force an outline on the text. 
strive for parallelism, alliteration. These were just take them or leave them. <laughs> it's not something you have to do. Um, parallelism, uh, what I mean by that is kind of the, your points rhythmically flow uh, from one to the next. Uh, so you strive to have the same kind of noun verb modifier in the same one. I'll give you an example here in a second, what I mean by that. Um, and so the same order throughout the points uh, and the wording changes only as much as necessary to indicate a major turn of thought. So for example, if I gave you, um, you know, here's an example of what, what I not mean by this. So I say having it be uh, rhythmical or parallel. You could say four reasons you should worship Jesus. Number one, Jesus is good. Number two, Jesus is powerful. Number three, Jesus is holy. Number four, you must love Jesus. You're right. Um, that fourth point doesn't quite flow with the others, and it doesn't quite support what the proposition statement was. So that's what I mean by, like, there's a rhythm to it, right? I mean, Jesus is, Jesus is, was all the same, and just the modifier was changed at the end. Um, that kind of rhythm has a way of helping people remember it, um, but also helps them as they think through it. It gives them kind of, but you also want to also make sure every point supports your proposition. So like I said, that last one, you must love Jesus. Well, that's a true statement. But that doesn't flow at all with what we were just talking about. Um, the um, alliteration I find can be helpful for people to remember as well. Um, again, don't don't compromise accuracy for the sake of having everything start with an A or everything start with a B or whatever it may be. Um, Taken to an extreme, an outline can draw too much attention to itself. So again, the point is not about we talked about this morning. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. So don't try to draw attention to yourself by being cute and. You know, having something uh, that there that would uh, take away from you from the passage itself. Number six, strive for re review. Review the points as you go. Uh, this, uh, this assures that the audience knows where you are and where you're going. Um, I used to do this a lot when I was first teaching. I don't do as much anymore, uh, partly because I've, I've got digital technology to help me. So, I mean, usually when I go to a second point, the first one's up on the screen. The second one comes up, so people automatically, I just don't feel the need to have to repeat it again. But um, it can be very helpful, especially starting off, to uh, kind of say, now we saw this, now we're going to see this. Uh, number seven, strive for the imperative. Whenever possible, make the points of an outline contain the application. Use imperatives as much as possible. Now, there are things called descriptive outlines, and they're okay. Um, you know, and so, um, but the uh, imperative outlines are better. So I'll give you an example. A descriptive outline would be something like, you know, point one, Jesus saw the leper Number two, Jesus touched the leper. Number three, Jesus heard the leper or something. You know, something like that. Like, they're just descriptive. They're just telling this. That may be helpful to tell a story, but you're going to have to really work hard to bring the application in, though. So underneath there, you got to bring the application. I like to, if I can, put the application in the point. Um, put the action in there. So um, application outlines kind of give you give you main verb uh, to do. So like this morning we talked about, you know, four ways of glorifying God. Well, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's very much driven. The application was right in the point, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so that that can be helpful. So sometimes descriptive outlines work too. But if you do that, you got to be careful because if you just use a descriptive outline, you can really just get into your messages being data and information. I'm just telling you about how Jesus, you know, touched a leper, and tell you about how Jesus, you know, talked to the leper, and I can tell you. I'm just telling you the story, and we leave and close the Bible and be like, and so what does that mean for me, like? I mean, it's obviously easy to go, right? Jesus touched a leper. I can get in the application. I can be like, hey, this person was an outcast. Like, no one touched a leper, but Jesus did. 
what does that mean for you? Like, this is where you go out and you seek, you know, those, those who are outcasts, right? And those who are not part of the group, you invite, bring them in, right? If I'm teaching youth and kids, I mean, teenagers and be like, hey, you have your little social clubs. Like, you see the kid who doesn't have anybody to talk to, go bring them, bring them into your group. That's what it looks like to be what Jesus did when he touched the leper, right? So, I mean, you can, you can drive the application, um, but it's, I find it, it, it helps me to kind of put it into the outline itself uh, if I can. Uh, strife, strife or singularity, uh, while you will have many points for an outline, remember that all your points relate to the proposition. Again, a good lesson has one point. Um, though you have many points, you really will have one point you're trying to accomplish in that way. Uh, strife or brevity, uh, state points as concisely as possible. Uh, listeners don't have the opportunity, if they're lively listening to you, they don't have an opportunity to back up and go, let me hear that again and go backwards again. They don't have the opportunity to reread what you just said. Uh, the shorter the wording of the outline, as a general rule, the better. Uh, tightly worded points make note-taking easier as well. It encourages uh, the writing of that point by the listener in the margin of their Bible. All that stuff is helpful. If it's small, they go, oh, yeah, I could write that down. It helps to remember it. Uh, strive for balance. We talked a little about this last week. But each, each, each main point and its supporting feature uh, should uh, occupy a roughly identical proportion of your message. So as I said, like if you have, you know, five, ten minutes on point one and five or ten minutes on point two and then 40 minutes on point three, you're like, the, the balance is kind of out of whack. And so um, people normally track with kind of a rhythm of that way. So if you can keep them, balance is good. If you ever have to be out of balance, because sometimes it happens, there's just, there's this emphasis. Maybe just, you really want to dive in or what's the word you use for Piper, drilled in or whatever you did. You know, you want to drill in on this one point, just tell them that. Just say, hey, let you guys know, like, um, we're going to talk about these. This first one, we're going to spend a little time on this one, and then we'll, we'll kind of finish up the last three a little more briefly. But really want to take some time here on this first one. That's okay. Just tell them what you're doing. Because if it is point one, for example, and it's like you take up, you've got 30 minutes to teach, and you took up 20 on point one, they're going to be like, should I take a bathroom break? Like, what's happening here? I don't know. The kids are getting, you know, a little ornery. I don't know what to do. Um, so just try to keep balance in that and let your audience know if you're, if you're going to be out of balance. Uh, strive for distinction. Uh, the points, while being in harmony, should not sound too much alike, so the listeners get them confused. Main points should not repeat each other. Um, and so examples would be, um, you know, th- this would be an example of what not to do. So you say, you know, uh, number one, we preach Christ whenever there is there's opportunity. Number two, we preach Christ when it's not convenient. Number three, we preach Christ when it's difficult. Like, what is that? Isn't difficult kind of what we just said? Like, is that not convenient? Like, what is that? It sounds very similar. Like, I don't know the difference, right? So you make sure your points, they differ. They're not like synonyms of each other because then people are like, isn't that what you just said? Or how is that different? Um, that's why your you know, word choices are going to be important. Um, you know, using, I said before, like a thesaurus uh, online or if you still got the book copy of a thesaurus, you can do that. Um, but you just find ways to kind of say, use different words that have a little different nuance or meaning so you're not just being repetitive uh, in that way. And lastly, number 12, strive for progression. Every uh, point in your outline should progressively clarify or justify your theme so it becomes clearer and more compelling as the message um, goes on. Uh, sometimes uh, this is achieved by repeating the same word or phrase uh, while changing out maybe the verb or the noun. Um, they force you to be practical. Uh, practice is a crucial art of knowing what to leave out as well. It's an important aspect when you're, okay, how am, I, how am I building my point? Are these proving my point? 
are these building on each other? Like, is this not necessary to say? All right, take this out. Um, as, as, is normally, as is always the case, if you study the Bible and you try to teach it, you're always going to have more that you learn than you'll be able to present. Don't try to shove everything you learned <laughs> into one time period. Um, just trust me, there's always more information there. As we said earlier, I'm talking about our people you listen to. I mean, you can dive into a, you know, one verse, Romans 5.5, 5, and be there for weeks. You know, I mean, there's just so much you could pull out of there. So when you're studying, just realize that that's the, that's the beauty of the fun part about teaching, honestly. It's not the teaching part, it's the, it's the study part. You get to learn so much and information, but then the, the hard part is when you go to teach, being like, all right, I got to fit this in this time frame. I can't put all this in there. Um, so... Okay. All right. Different kinds of outlines. There's different ways of doing it. Uh, the first one. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. In that, in a particular message, you may have ten things that you think of that you could put in. But you're saying yep. it's okay to not put them all. No, I because would say it's good not to put them all in there. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Drill them down for your audience. Drill them down for the context. Yeah, yeah. What's your proposition? What are you trying to? What are you trying to? What are you trying to get after here? What is the main point? Um, do what only supports that, right? And so, or do what's you cut out things that aren't maybe applicatory to your particular audience. Um, yeah, there's just lots of places you can go sometimes, and you'll go on rabbit trails. And sometimes you'll be like, okay, that's that's too. You know, uh, on impromptu this morning, I cut out something I was going to talk about with. It's the whole thing about um, a, a book I'd read about um, how the, the Catholics, when they came into France, eastern, uh, eastern France, and moved into Quebec, like they treated the Native Indians differently than, than the Americans did. They went in, they invited them for meals, they had them over their place. And now today, you see why, why Quebec is so committed to the French you know, tradition. They were French people, and they're committed to Catholicism because that was, that was what won them over, was it? And I was using that as a help to understand like why meals are important, but I felt that I'd made too, I'd already made that point clear and that didn't, that was redundant in some ways. And so like I just cut it and moved on. Um, so yeah, there'll be things like that that may be redundant. You may have an illustration. You're like, you can illustrate this five different ways. Just choose one. Don't choose five. Um, things like that. All right. Uh, different kinds of outlines. First, simple observation outline. So, I'll give you some examples of these. Um, the ty- this type of a teaching outline states the kernel of the major truth of that particular section of the passage. It is worded as if there is an, uh, as if it's an abbreviated observation of the cluster of verses. This type of outline will not be complete sentence. So Psalm 3, I gave you there. This is a very simple outline, right? This is what we mean by simple. David's trial, David's trust, David's triumph. There it is. Yeah, that's, that's Psalm 3. Um, very simple outline. Uh, you get, again, there's no application in that, so you're going to have to drive that at home. Your, this outline doesn't have it. It's just it's simply just telling you what is going on in that text. Another one is Exodus 14. Um, you know, here the you know, we find it talking about who God is. Jesus is a warrior king, warrior savior, warrior judge. And so those are just observation, very simple outline of what is in the text. But I'm about to drive, what does that mean for my audience? Why is this important to understand God this way? Um, so that's the first one. Second one is a first-person outline. Uh, this, is, um, this allows the writer, uh, as it were, to directly speak through the homiletical points. 
Um, the genre of outline can uh, can use words like me or I repeated. So Psalm 17 I gave you there is it's much more almost like the writer speaking, like the psalmist is speaking here. So the outline is search me, sorry, see me, search me, show me, shield me, save me. A lot of SSC alliteration going on there. Um, satisfy me. Whoops, forgot one. Um, so the, the, that's all the that's what the writer's saying. That's what he's asking for there in that in uh, Psalm 17, right? So that gives me. A, to me, it's a little bit easier to bring application because I can go pretty quick uh, out of like when David says, you know, search me. It's like, well, here's what he, David means and here's what that means for you, right? So it's got that verb in there, which I find to be helpful. Uh, practical application outline. Uh, this is uh, the main application of each division of the passages moved up to the future heading. Thus, this kind of outline is worded as an action point and calls the listener to step out and follow. I like this is my favorite one to do. So Psalm 65 is an example, praise God for his grace, praise God for his greatness, praise God for his goodness. So there's a rhythm. We have the same, praise God is the command. That's the theme I'm going for in that passage. The command here is ultimately this morning, we're going to praise God. What do we need to praise God for? Boom, 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 boom. Um, and that's very, you know, very much driven, the application is driven through the text. This is what we are to do, just like they are. He, the writer is telling us to do. Um, and then each point is, I'm going to support those points and talk about what does it mean, you know, what does it mean that God is, you know, it's grace. What is grace, right? We spend time talking about that. Uh, another one is a full sentence outline. Um, it's still kind of similar to the, uh, maybe a simple observation outline, but it's just a little bit, it's just longer. Um, and so you see a um, sample there from Exodus 4, a sermon I did there. God is serious about the mission, he's serious about his glory, and he's serious about a legacy. Um, so God is serious is the theme. That's the part, that's the passage, by the way, where Moses is walking along and an angel comes and tries to kill him. <laughs> Crazy passage. And, you know, and he has to circumcise his kid on the spot. It's a really interesting passage. So, um, but the point was, is that, like, God is serious, which is really the point of what was going on. He's not playing around. Something is very wrong and needs to be dealt with. And the, the each point kind of shows... Uh, what God was serious about, okay? But you see, there's a lot longer than than the simple sentence one is. All right. So, questions about outlining? Thoughts on that? So there are times where I would also say like there's times where I did a little bit this morning actually. There are times where I don't necessarily start with say if I got verses one through ten. I don't necessarily start with like verses one and two is point one, verses three, four, and five is point two, six, seven, eight. Yeah. So I, I do that a lot of times. So I think the, the text kind of flows that way. But sometimes, like this morning, I brought in, um, you know, 1 Corinthians 10. Like, I'm like, well, the, the things he says at the very end of the verse is actually similar to what he said at the very beginning of the verse, because that's sometimes how Eastern people do. They start and they wind around, they come back to it. So I'm like, well, we're just going to cluster up the first couple verses and the last couple verses and make that point one. Because it, when I did the outline originally, and I tried to follow that verse by verse, when I got to the end, I'm like, well, that's the same thing he said here. I'm just going to repeat myself. Let's just lump them all together, right? So sometimes you don't necessarily follow directly. Something like like the book of Romans typically follows a very, like, you can just go verse by verse through that and be like, yeah, the first two verses mean this, and the next two verses mean this. Because he just goes, it's very, very law, legal kind of language. But Corinthians, doesn't, he doesn't follow that. A lot. <laughs> so it makes it difficult. You were going to say? No, I, I really okay. kind of target myself. All right. Transitions. Uh, the principle, again, tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them. Tell them what you told them. Okay. 
Uh, so transitions of the message is a natural turning point uh, where the teacher moves from one from a point in the outline to the next point. So we sometimes early on when I was first teaching, I would write out what I call transitional statements. Like I'd write them out right before I moved to point two. I'd write out now what we saw and and you know is the first way to glorify God, and that was to do this. Now the second way to glorify God is, and there's point two. And so I would write them out to learn my transitions. I don't need to do that anymore, but um, it's it's a helpful thing to kind of get you moving from one point to the next. It's like a little again a little a little hinge. So types of transitions. The first one I've got there is called knitting statements. Knitting statements um, like uh, not only, but also next. Right? These are all ways to kind of move from one point to the next. So you can say that. Not only do we do this, but now we also do this. Um, so you're kind of just you're trying to help. These are just, just knitting statements to kind of help get from one point to the next. So not only but also next, these kind of statements can be helpful. Um, dialogical questions, these include questions like, um, you may be thinking, or uh, what must come next? What is he gonna do next? Or especially if you're telling the story, right? If you're, if you're telling a narrative story, I find it helpful to not read the whole story first. It's actually just read it as you go, so it leaves elements of surprise as you move along, because you can get to your, you know, First point we see, you know, David did this. Now, what is he going to do next? Let's look. He's going to, now he's going to, right? So I'm moving on to the, I made a transitional statement. I'm moving to the next point, but I'm using a question to kind of drive that, bring in the curiosity of the, of the uh, listener. And so it helps you in that way. Um, but just asking questions. Number three, numbering or listing. This is one of the most common ways of doing it. First, now second, now third. Right, so it's just simply using that. Other words could be things like finally, like you get to your last one. Um, you know, furthermore, next, further. Uh, phrases like um, in addition. Paul goes on to say, you know. So you're just kind of using these statements to kind of help you get from from one to the next. But use it use it sparingly. It's easy. It's better to kind of give a little bit more uh, detail than, than just numbers. Number four, um, call it picture painting. This is simply giving them a visual. So if you had like um, two points, for example, you could, you could say point one, the, now, the, now, the, now the first side of the coin is this. And now, now the flip side, you know, my point two is like, the flip side of the coin is, is this. So I'm, if I'm giving two contrasts, like I'm using an image of a coin for people to see, let's flip that over and let's look at the other side. Like it's very similar, but it's on the other side, right? So this is kind of the, 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 um, the picture painting type thing. Um, you know, uh, I've done the uh, building up um, straws. I talked about straws. Like this is the the first straw that broke the camel's back. You know, the second straw. Now this is the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like the last point. You know, it's kind of culmination, building to that point. So it's a very visual kind of thing for people to see. Uh, it's language that maybe they understand or know. Last one: billboards or branches. These are statements that tell uh, of the points coming up. Um, and so this is, I like to do this at the beginning for me, like this is, um, you know, you must believe the love of Jesus is greater than sin, Satan, you know, um, circumstances, whatever it may be. And our first one, I kind of go there and, and kind of move on from one to the next. And so I like to announce that kind of billboard, here's where I'm going. Um, sometimes, again, if, you, if you're in a narrative passage, you may not tell them where you're going because you want to kind of wait 
you know, build the suspense to how the story ends up. But if you're in something like a, we called it uh, didactical portions, which is like a Romans or Corinthians, something like that. It's okay to do that front. Uh, Principles for transitions would say, uh, don't overstay overstay your welcome. Um, Remember to keep a balance among your points, equal time devoted. Don't spend a lot of time on transitions. Just make it pretty simple. You're just trying to move from one to the next. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Again, your key point. Always trying to go back to what, what am I trying to prove here? What do I want my audience to understand? Um, so if you're going to make a transitional statement, make sure it always goes back to that proposition. Here's, my, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's how we did that. We saw this. We saw this. Now we see this. Um, number uh, three, connect. Transitions break the entire passage into palatable pieces of information. The transition uh, provides a clear, clear, concise, reasoned, logical flow from one point to the next. Uh, it helps pull the helps pull the listener forward. It's like pulling a thread through. Like you're just getting all the way through. Let's move on to the next point. Right? We're just pulling the audience along. We're rhythmically moving ahead. They are they're along for the ride. All right, and they they understand where they're going. Uh, number four, again, advance. Um, as the message is being advanced, other phrases will be helpful to propel the argument forward. You want to have select phrases. Uh, what is more, in addition to more than that, that's not all. There's also this. Right? These are all ways. Just trying to advance it, move it forward in that way. Okay. All right. Application. Any questions about proposition transitions from one to the next? All right. Application. Sometimes, <clears throat> applications, I've said, can be put all at the very end, right? can be all done at the very end. Uh, sometimes um, your, your, your application can be included in each part of your outline, so you kind of spread it out in each piece. Um, and so but wherever you put it, make sure you put it somewhere. You want it to have relevance and impact on your listeners. Don't just want to dump information out there for them and leave it at that. you got to get to a so what. This is what application is, right? Application is the so what. So what difference does it make that I just listen to you, right? Um, and so let's talk about ways to bring application. Uh, number one is uh, anticipate the audience. In order to effectively apply the passage, we must be able to anticipate those to whom we're speaking to. Um, and so if not specific individuals, at least visualize representatives of that. Try to visualize a cross-section of people who will be listening, ask the question, what difference does this passage make to their lives? What difference does this passage make for the mom? What difference does this passage make for the empty nester? You know, what, what, is, what does this make for the single? Like, what difference does this make for them? Um, again, thinking about that. Uh, Brian uh, Chapel in his book said, without the so what, we preach to who cares. <laughs> so without the so what, we just preach to who cares. Mm-hmm. And so you, you got to get to the so what and understand your audience and who you're talking to. Understand the, the people, again, similar here, you should know this, I would say this is a more understanding, not just that I have a variety of people's situations and circumstances, but I also have a variety of people on multiple levels of spirituality, right? I got people who don't know God, I got people who don't know God who are interested, I got people who don't know God who are forced to come here, and so they don't care. I got people who just came to know Jesus, and they don't really know what's going on, I got people who are like, 
got a, got a year under their belt, and they're now, they're, now they think they're hot stuff, and they're super arrogant. And you got people who have been walking with Jesus for decades, right? I mean, there, there's a whole variety of people, spiritually speaking, right? From, they're all different, different places. And so uh, you want to kind of understand where those folks are. And in this, I would say, too, when you're talking about driving application, is to try to remember to your, your audience that you have people that most likely even if they've been in church for a while, they don't, they don't really know Christ. They know information, they know Bible facts, they know verses, but they don't know Christ. And so you always want to kind of anticipate uh, their thoughts and understanding of where they're at. Uh, find things that, uh, especially if you have you know, unchurched people in your group, find things in their world and culture that you can apply it to. Um, and so they, they begin to understand that. Um, and so it's just a... That's going to require, if you're going to teach a group of people, is understand their world a little bit, understand what they listen to, what they watch, um, what they understand about their world. Um, it can be, can be helpful. You're not always going to understand everything about them, but uh, as long as you kind of start you know, doing that. So like an application, um, I used a ton. Like in L.A., I used a ton of film and music all the time. Almost all my application had something to do with a film. <laughs> You know, I was like, remember this this scene in the movie? They did this, and everyone's like, yeah, because everyone's watched every movie in the entire planet Earth. It feels like, and so that was the way I did application because that was a lot of their world. Um, you know, not so much as as the case here, right? So you kind of have to figure out what do, what do people understand? Where where's the world? Uh, right off the application, uh, rather we talked about manuscripting. Well, that's important. Sometimes people can think like, well, if I just write the meaning, I get it right. I'll just like wing the application. It's important, okay? Application is not like a, oh, maybe I'll just I'll just do the best I can. We'll just figure it out. We'll let the spirit lead. It's like no, like it's important to really think through. Like how can this? What what's the so what here for the people that are listening? Um, and so uh, so it's important to to do that. Um, think through it. Write it out. Um, when I was when I used to write out all my sermons with literally pen, or even if I wrote it out and I typed it out, like I would I'd draw little windows, you know, my margin to kind of help remember, like, hey, illustration here, like you're gonna bring this home and make sure this is applicable to the people I'm listening to or listen to me. <clears throat> make it personal. The application should be directed mm-hmm. to the heart and life of the listeners, rather than being couched in the we terms uh, or vaguely as some people. Right, go to the you. Um, bring, you know, pull them in. Uh, don't just make it very generic and this may apply to people out there somewhere on planet Earth. He <laughs> knows this applies to you. Um, and so <clears throat> try that rifle approach versus the shotgun kind of approach. Because um, you will find that if you just, if you directly apply this to someone's particular situation in a very specific way, um, you know, you address like, this is what it looks like, you know, for someone who's single and da, da, da. Well, your married people will still pick that up and go like, oh, I can, they're not dumb. I mean, they, they can pick that up and take that to their life. Be like, yeah, that's what that looks like in my life. You don't have to go, to, here's, what, here's the application for your group and your group and your group and your group. If you just target one and vary that up, you'll find that most people will be able to go like, okay, if that means that for them, then this means this for me, right? Um, they can do that. Uh, be strategic. Application of the sermon needs to be strategically placed. Uh, into the into the message. As a general rule, the pointed application needs to be located soon after the cluster of verses have been taught. Um, the rhythm that I like to go with typically is you have a point. So if, say if you have three, you're, you you have the point, you state it, you prove that point. So you're kind of getting the text, you're kind of prove support that, and then you're going to illustrate what that looks like, 
and then you're going to apply it. So it's kind of like meaning, illustration, application. Point two, meaning, illustration, application. Point three, <coughs> right? So you're kind of, you know, have that kind of rhythm. It's a good rhythm to kind of get into. It kind of forces you to like, how, how can I help them see this? How can I help them see the relevancy of this? And how can I show them what it looks like um, for their life? Uh, vary the kinds of application. We talked about this a little bit already, but um, many forms of application. Application can involve things like warning and admonishment. It can involve encouraging. Um, it can involve comforting, um, urging, pleading. There's all kinds of ways that you can apply to people uh, of various, uh, various passages of Scripture. Uh, number seven, last one, do not overextend your authority. Go as far as the Scripture goes. Okay? So your application, you got to be careful. Because application, a lot of times, you're bringing it to a modern audience. You're giving them ideas of how this could look. Now, there's sometimes very strict ones, right? I mean, there's um, 1 Thessalonians 4, you know, it's the will of God. You abstain from sexual morality. You need to abstain from sexual morality. There's the application. Okay, so it's, that's a pretty straightforward one. But in terms of, um, you know, you're talking about... Um, Luke, I think it was in Luke 12, and the building of the barns, a guy builds a second one, and God comes and goes, you know, you, you vested all this money basically into building bigger barns, and now your soul is going to be required of you kind of thing. And now you're trying to apply greed. You're trying to apply, like, what does greed look like? Well, I mean, does, is it direct application? Don't build two barns, only build one. It's like, well, no, that's not the direct application. Um, it's trying to get to the heart of, like, so what does it look like for you, you know, to be greedy? Well, let's talk about it. Let me give you an example of like what it looks like to be greedy. I mean, greedy could be something like this, or greedy could be something like this. Be careful of saying like greedy is if you own a, you know, whatever it is. If you own a, a second house, or if you own two cars, or if you own, you're greedy. It's like, okay, you're, you're going beyond, that's not there. But you can say like, hey, it could be that you, you know, you, you've, you've, you don't have any money left over to give to anybody in need because you spend it all on yourself. Yeah, that, that's, that's greedy, right? I mean, there's... There's ways you can say it that are general applications without drilling down into a very specific situation that's not biblical. That's what we're saying with this. Okay, so application you got to be careful of that. Um, you know, first First Corinthians four six, Paul warned us don't go beyond what's written. Right, so don't go beyond. So application is one of those. You don't want to overextend um, your authority. Um, so so we talk. You know. You know. Yeah. So you get the idea. Uh, let's see. Conclusion. Any questions on application? And one on yeah. point five. Okay. Or point, yeah, be strategic. Were you saying for each point you have an application? Or an application at the very end of all three? You can do either one. Either one. You can do either one. Again, the point is to get to it, right? right. Um, I find that if, if I've got three points and each of my three are proving my proposition, yeah. that if I give the first one, it's good for me to go ahead and just find... Um, I, I just find that... This is kind of sad when you start realizing this truth that people aren't going to hear all three. <laughs> they're going to hear they're going to hear one of them probably and like snooze to the rest or daydream and they're going to like get lost and and they'll be brought back at certain points, uh, which we'll talk about later. Why things like humor is important because it kind of wakes everybody up. Be like, oh, that's right, you're teaching. I was dreaming about lunch, you know. So I find that if I bring the application in, in multiple la- multiple layers as opposed to the very end, I'll catch people at different points. Yeah. If I just save it all at the very end, it's like some people may be taxed by the time, you know, like uh, by the time I'm at the end, they're kind of like their brain's like, I'm done. Like yeah. m- too much information for me. I've already quit, you know, 10 minutes ago. So 
you can do either one, but I would I I prefer to kind of spread it out um, in that way. Are you saying you only have one application for each sermon? No, no, no. An application can be varied. Like, like for example, like this morning, I mean, there's all kinds of different applications. Uh-huh. One of the ap- ap- one of the points was be opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Pastor talked about, hey, if you're invited, go, go to their house, sit down with them, and so the application of that can be all kinds of scenarios where you accept invitations, you invite people over, you be hospitable, um, you know, do those kind of things. You can kind of list off some ideas for that, um, but then you you, know, you get into the other ones, and it's like. You know, be discerning was the last point where we talked about, like, we need wisdom and how we're going to have these conversations. And so we need to pray, and prayer can't be a domestic intercom. It's got to be, a, you know, it's a wartime walkie-talkie, as Piper called it. All right, well, that's another application. That's a different, talking about prayer, that's a whole other application. Um, but all of it is for the sake of how do we glorify God on a mission reaching right. people are lost. Right. So but my applications, so some people are going to, the reason I like to spread it out is because people are going to latch on to different things. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, yeah, I need to... I need to, my prayers need, prayer need to be more couched this way. I need to be more engaged with people so that I'm praying for lost people. Or, oh, you know, I need to, say, I need, I need to be more hospitable, right? I need to invite people over, right? So one could be prayer application oriented, one could be hospitality oriented, right? So very different, but they all support that main point. Okay. So your application, you can have tons of application. Okay. And, and I'll just be honest with you, like, I'm, that's not my strong suit is application, um, I don't think, and so I, I have to work really hard to try to, because I'm much more heady, and I like information, and so I like theology, and so I'll, I'll spend a lot more time in that world, um, as opposed to getting down to the nitty-gritty of, like, this is what it looks like, um, so something I always have to work on, but the, you can't go wrong with too much application if you just vary that up, um, spread it around a little bit, all right, all right, um, conclusion, Where's my time? All right, 15, we're good. Uh, think of the sermon like a, let's think of it like a flight out of Indianapolis, and we're going to go to Los Angeles, because that's where I would go if I got on a plane. And um, think of your introduction is like taxiing, okay? Your introduction, you're out there, you know, taxiing along kind of thing. Um, you're, uh, as you get to your proposition, as your takeoff, we're taking off, here's where, here's where we're going. Uh, the body of your message is the flight. That's going to take most of your time is the actual flight. Uh, the conclusion is the landing of the plane at your desired destination, right? So we're going from here, we're going to there. Um, introduction is the taxiing, taking off is my proposition, body is the flight, conclusion is the landing. So it's kind of where we're going. Point being, conclusion, it is important that you land the plane. <laughs> you just fly around forever. Like you've got to come to a landing spot and you don't want it to be, well, our time is up. Like that's not a, that's not a good landing spot, okay? You want to plan Plan to land the plane. Don't just haphazardly be like, we're out of gas, we're going to fall. Like, I mean, it's like you, you want to have a plan. Um, and so your conclusion is important, if not more important even than the introduction. You know, you say last, last words or lasting words kind of thing. I mean, it is important how you finish and how you conclude. So, um, so let's see. Principles for crafting conclusions. A couple of things. One, um, avoid, let me say here, predictability. Uh, just like the introduction, you want to make sure that uh, you don't have the same conclusion every time. Uh, be careful of using, like, um, what I mean by that is using the same method. So I'm going to use a, I'm gonna end with a quote every time. I'm going to end with a, with a, um, I can never say this word right. My wife makes fun of me. Um, a poem. Did I say it wrong again? Yeah. How are you supposed to say it? Poem. See, I say poem. I always say poem. P-O-E-M. Poem. That's how I always grow up. That's how we say it. You can use a poem or a poem or 
whatever it is at the end if you want, but don't use it every single time. That's kind of the traditional, like, oh, it's got three points in it. Boom. Yeah, there we go. Um, avoid, uh, I would also say in this one too, predictability, avoid the, and finally, let me say this, or in conclusion, uh, let me say this. Um, you, you, uh, when you do that, you kind of tend to lose people. A lot of times they'll, they'll start to like pack up their stuff. Like, oh, okay, we're done. Okay, good, good, good. And you lose kind of driving the point home. Um, I've done that before, and I've, I've, sometimes I do say those things and re- catch myself being like, ah, oh, why did I do that? And I can start seeing people like... You can hear, it, you can hear all the pages. And so, and so sometimes I'll be like, no, no look up now. Look up. <laughs> Stay with me, right? Or something like that just to draw their attention back because I goofed up and just gave them the green light to fold everything up and right. put it away. <laughs> um, you can open back up now. Look back at... You know, <laughs> no, that's the other thing. You don't want to take back off again, by the way. Once you land, land. <laughs> don't don't no touch and, go. no touch and goes like you want to you want to land the plane and uh there's yeah there's no encore no not not in teaching um second stir introspection you want to end on a high note with your conclusion leave your audience with something to think about so introspection give them something to think about when they're done you want them to reflect on their standing before God, you want them to reflect on the power of the gospel to motivate them or whatever you've been calling them to do. We naturally, in our church, kind of go into communion because communion is that natural flow of reflection, um, of gathering, okay, the point is Christ, we got to him, we need to talk to him, right? We're making that transition to that point. Um, so sometimes rhetorical questions can be good ways um, to, to end as well. Give them something to think about. Uh, consider symmetry. Uh, another word for this is, is called, we call this the wraparound. Uh, this is really good if you can do it. It just takes a lot of work. And that is how you introduced, almost like you told a story and you stopped. You told the sermon and at the end you come back to the beginning story and you finish the story. Right? So that's a real powerful way of just really wrapping it up. Right? I mean, you bring people all the way back to the beginning. Remember that story we were talking about at the beginning? You know what ended up happening? You know, so you, you kind of, that's, it's hard to do, but there, if you can do that, that's always a, a powerful method is the symmetry of what you introduced with. You kind of, you bring it back and conclude with that same picture. Again, vary it up. Don't do the same thing every time. Um, but your goal as, as a conclusion is always to answer the so what that you brought about. Hopefully the introduction stirred interest. Hopefully the conclusion is, now I told you, you we're going to get to this. Here, here's where we are. Uh, conclude naturally. Um, you don't want just to be a running commentary again and just stop because you ran out of time. Um, you want to have a natural landing spot. And I would say if you're teaching through a book of the Bible and you're kind of going you know, week after week or whatever with people, um, make each one stand alone. So don't be like, now next week we'll really finish this up. Or, you know, like, you know, it's like, no, wrap up everything. Because again, you have to always remember, you've got eternal souls who are on a time limit in your audience. They may not be there next week. They may die. I know it sounds morbid, but I mean, all kinds of things may occur. You want to make sure you wrap everything up. Each message is stands alone, even if you're walking through like a book, like we're doing First Corinthians. Each one should have its own introduction, conclusion, point that I'm trying to present and not a part one of part two type thing. No, there may be times where you do like part one and part two or part three parts at times. It may be happening. I remember I did I think when I did the book of Hebrews, like chapter 13, I talked about, I think I had like three or four parts, you know, of what it looks like to make much of Jesus in, in the culture. And that there was like four or five points because there's a lot of very particular application points. 
So it, it was a continuation, but each one had its own standalone. It could stand alone with its own message. That's what I'm getting at. So um, I was, uh, I, lear- I learned teaching under, uh, the guy I was under was John MacArthur. And so John was, was infamous for like not concluding naturally um, because he would just be like, okay, next week we'll just pick up right there. We'll pick up on point two, sub point three, you know, letter A next week. I mean, that's how he did we're like, okay, I guess we'll pick it up. It was just like, he rarely concluded. Like, it was always just like, okay, we're out of time. It's like, okay, don't, you, you want to land the plane. Make, make it stand alone. Um, it's hard criticizing somebody like that, but it's true. Uh, number five, appeal to the affections. Your conclusion should uh, be unmistakably personal in its aim. You should affect the, the will and the affections of the hearer. Your goal of every sermon is to bring, is ultimately the point of every message you bring is worship. You want to bring people to the point where they worship Christ. Um, that's the ultimate goal, not just here's, so here's five things you can do this week to be a better Christian. Like it's, okay, fine, that can be your points, but the point ultimately is, number one, is worship Christ. Um, and so we always want to get to that. Um, Tim Keller in his book on preaching talked about like you, you want to see people transformed where they sit. You're not giving them things to go do to be transformed. You want them to be transformed right there. And the only way they're going to be transformed in their seat is if they see Christ. Um, and so, um, I remember one of the things he said. He said, you know you get to that point where the whole time people are taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. And there's a point where people just put their pen down and just stop. And it gets quiet. It's like, now you've gotten to worship. Information, information has come to, oh, this is, this is Christ. And it gets quiet. Now you know you've you've gotten you've gotten to that point. Which so one to get to? The transformation is taking place right there in the seats. Right there's worship is taking place right there, and so you want to work towards uh, kind of getting to that. Um, and I would say one of the things with that too, when I say affections, um, guilt is the easiest thing you can bring about in somebody. Super easy as a teacher of the Bible. I mean, you just get out there and be like, you don't pray enough, <laughs> and everyone will be like, right, I don't. You know, I mean, you can just say whatever. I mean, you can do any of those and just leave it. And if that's your goal is just to make people feel guilty, you, you're not accomplishing the goal of Scripture. Now, guilt is a very powerful thing, and they need to feel that. But if you just leave them there, you're not serving people well, right? You want to you make them feel that it's good, but give them resolution. And that, again, it's gonna be, resolution is going to be in Christ, right? So we're trying to get to that. I really like what he said in the book um, about we don't want to, you want to leave people with a list of things they need to do. Mm. Which was really free, right? Because Christ has already done. You want them to see what Christ has done, and then trust Him to do that. Yeah, uh, I think so it was. I, I think it was Tim. Tim Keller said. He said there are four points to every sermon I preach. Let's see if I can remember it. He said. He said, um, "Here's what you need to do. Here's why you need to do it. Here's who did it for you. Now here's how you do it through Him." That's what he said. Those are four points. He said every sermon is those in in some way is those four points. I want to make sure I lay on the will. That they need to do something. It's not just, you know, you need to, you need to you need to think better. You need to act better. You need to feel better. You need to do something. You need to do something, but you you gotta you gotta get to ultimately Christ who fulfilled that, and then now they can have the power and the motivation to go do that. So we just lay on the will, you know, the just just press on the will. If you do accomplish anything, what you do accomplish is you just make a bunch of Pharisees, mm-hmm. right? They just they change, but they only change on the outside. They're just whitewashed tombs because you haven't changed their heart. You know, they haven't, they haven't, they're not doing this because they love Christ. 
and because of what he's done for them, they're doing it because you told them to. And they don't really know why they do it. And they'll go years doing the things that are right and have no idea why they're doing them. It's just like, it's just what we're supposed to do. <laughs> and so um, you always want to get to get to that, uh, get to worship, get to Christ. Uh, number six, uh, end with, with authority. Uh, kind of, this is the kind of the fork in the road type thing. This is like, hey, Jesus said you're either for him or against him type scenario. Like you want to present them with a, with, you've got two paths almost kind of thing to go here. You can follow Christ or you can not follow Christ. This is, you know, I'm putting the option in front of you. This is, you must make this decision in that way. So, um, you want to answer the question as a result of the message, what does God want the listener to do? So it's almost like a, you're almost like a lawyer and your close, your conclusion is like your closing argument, right? You're trying to compel them to come to this conclusion on their own. Um, and so you want to constantly be, be working at that. They need to, um, there's something that when you're thinking about conclusions, like there's something they need to know, something they need to believe, um, something they need to, to feel maybe something they need to do, or these, all these different ways that you're going to kind of bring up, um, that conclusion. Uh, I would say number seven, avoid prayer conclusions. This is kind of cheap, uh, treating prayer cheaply where you're like, you end your sermon and you start praying and then you start bringing the conclusion into your prayer. <laughs> like, and Lord, what we should do today is, and you're kind of like preaching almost, but you're using prayer as the means. To, don't, don't, don't use prayer as the means of concluding, right? I mean, conclude and sincerely pray that people would live out what it is that's been presented in the text, but don't use your prayer as the actual conclusion. Um, number eight, as I said earlier, land the plane. No, what'd you call it? No touch, uh, touching ghosts. No touching ghosts. Yeah, no touching ghosts. Don't just land and be like, whoosh. I mean, you whiplash your people. You'd be like, they think we're landing. All of a sudden, nope, we're back off again, you know? And then you go down, like, nope, we're back off again. So people are just like, where where are we going, you know? Are we going back home? Like, what's happening here? Can't so, buzz the tower. Yeah, no, wow, buzz the tower. You just went like uh, Top Gun there. Wow. I haven't heard that one in a while. So, so land the plane. Cut off the engine, throw out the keys. Right, this is like we're 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 landing here. We're stopping. We're coming to a point uh, that's going to be super in, uh, important. So, various kinds of conclusions. I kind of listed some of these here for you. Um, I'll just remind us and put them on the screen. Um, you can conclude. Uh, these are kind of examples of how you conclude. You can conclude with an illustration. Uh, you can conclude with some questions. You know, very uh, um, um, just kind of thought-provoking questions. Conclude with a quote. Um, very specific instructions, um, list of practical take-home points, again, a hymn or a poem. Thank you. Sorry. I'm going to do that. Whenever I say that in, on Sunday mornings, I'm just going to point to you to say it. Because <laughs> I can't say it right. It's, just, it's hopeless. All right. Um, that's right. This is, we, call, we, call them, we call them poems. That's what we call them. That's what we call them. It's a poem. Anyway, last point, gospel. <laughs> Um, so when I say this, this is not the tag on an evangelistic appeal at the end of the sermon. It's not what we're talking about when I say gospel, um, like the altar call time. All right, now that I preach a sermon, let's preach a second one, basically, to all you unbelievers out there. Like that's not that's not what I mean when we talk about getting to the gospel. Um, I'm not trying to finagle the gospel into the conclusion type scenario. So this is um, you know First Corinthians two um, one through five. There, Paul would talk about that. Um, I decided to know nothing among you, but I accept Jesus Christ and him crucified, right? That was my, that is what I, no matter what he taught, that's what he got to. That was ultimately the main point. And so 
to present the Bible in its fullness, we are to preach Christ as the main theme, confine ourselves to, to him. And if you do a good job at it, it <clears throat> the application always varies. The gospel is like a diamond. You just kind of spin it around. There's just so many different angles to it um, in that way. So let's look at a few principles here. <clears throat> Number one, the reason why it's important to end with the gospel, end with Christ, believers find power and motivation. Um, they find power and motivation. They found, I mean, here's the things you've laid on me. These things feel impossible. These things feel so, make me so uncomfortable. They're way out of my comfort zone to do. I don't know if I can do this. You know, all the questions that come up in the believer's mind, you get to Christ and you show how he's done it for them. Okay. The, you know, the, some ways the pressure's off and the pressure's on in some ways. All right. I know I, through him I can do this. I can do all things through Christ, right, kind of thing. So, um, so we don't want to just talk about Jesus here. The point is we want to, we want to show them Jesus. We want to walk away in worship. Um, and so the, this is when the lecture or the, the lesson turns into a sermon when you get to Jesus, right? I told you to stop taking notes say, listen. Um, you just want to be, be careful that um, what you're presenting uh, to them, um, one of the, I think someone put it to you, it's not, it's not a synagogue sermon, meaning you want, to, you want to teach something in such a way that someone who is Jewish, and knew their Bible inside and out, showed up and wouldn't walk out being like, yeah, I could totally heard that on my synagogue on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you got to get to Jesus. That's the radical difference in the message. Like, oh, yeah, we don't make that connection. <laughs> you know, that, that's not the point of Scripture um, to them. Um, there was a, a quote here, Brian Chapel in his book. He said, in fact, uh, they fear that without the burden of guilt, this is talking about the uh, as a teacher, with, they say without the burden of guilt, I mean, in other words, God will get you if you don't do this, or the leverage of greed, God will give you more if you do this, they will have no means to motivate obedience. This is kind of what the teacher kind of fears. The alternative to motiv- motivating by guilt is its an- antidote, grace. The alternative to motivating by greed is its antithesis, grace. If we serve God primarily because we believe he will love us less if we do not, punish us more if we do less, or withhold blessing until we are sufficiently holy, then we will not. Uh, we are not obeying God for his glory, but are pursuing our own self-interests. He says, in such cases, the chief goal of our obedience is personal promotion or personal protection rather than the glory of God, right? That's what we're going for. So get to the gospel is we're, this is, we're here to glorify God. We're to lift him up. That's the point we're going to get to. Um, number two, when we get to the gospel, the unbelievers get the gospel. Um, they discover, in many ways, they discover how the gospel works. They begin understanding, like, this is what it would look like if I do become a Christian, if I go all in on this, and if I do believe this, this is what it looks like, right? So they, each message is going to kind of give them a picture of Christ in a different, different way. This is what it looks like for them. Um, they see how the gospel applies to... Uh, vocational work, how the gospel applies to family life, to marriage, to parenting, to suffering, to grieving. Um, and so they witness those things when, when you're going through different parts. And number three, as we said earlier, God is, God is worship. That's the overall goal. Um, until your audience sees Christ as the hero of every story, the fulfillment of every law, the Bible, again, will be a crushing weight um, and that conforms them rather than a joy-afflicting power that transforms them. Right? So that's what we want to do, we want to transform them um, in that way and get, get to Christ in that way. And so that's what we're going for. Um, I kind of gave you some, I think at the very end there, different types of gospel presentations, um, different ways of doing it. I said, um, predictive is speaking of kind of the, 
if I'm in the Old Testament, I'm talking about how Christ will fulfill this passage, uh, preparatory for the work of Christ. Uh, this is kind of getting to Old Testament characters, their failings, like David committed adultery, like he's not the hero. You know, it's, he's not the point of the story. Jesus is, where we get to him, um, reflective of the work of Christ, Old Testament heroes, and how they did things well, how they were brave, or how they did this, is ultimately the point is to Christ, and then resultant of the work of Christ's New Testament passages, how we fulfill those because Christ fulfilled them for us. So there's just different ways of doing that. Any questions? So next week, um, we'll get into the, we're going to dig into the really, uh, this is all kind of framing. Next week, we'll get into the, all the, a lot of little homiletical, little, lots of them. I think I've like, got like 25. <laughs> just ways that you can present ways that, are, that, are, that have been kind of proven to be effective in how you present kind of the oratory skill of things. Um, and we'll talk about some of that stuff. Okay? Awesome. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for our time. Thank you for the opportunity to be together and to just, just reflect on how we not only study your word and know it, but how we present it in such a way that people, um, that, so that people glorify you, God, so people make much of you. Uh, that's our goal. Whenever we're, st- we're presenting the Bible, we want people to see Christ and uh, I pray, God, you would help us to do that. Help uh, us, all of our teachers at our church, in all ways that we can uh, lift up Christ in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen.